Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Mary Monahan, and she is FearlessWarriorFoundation.com for those of you that are listening on your computer or want to check out what we're talking about on your phone. But without further ado, we are going to meet Mary Monahan. Mary, welcome to today's show. Hi, thank you, Sandra. It's a, it's a wonderful experience to be here. Oh, I'm so glad because, you know, talk radio is such a great way to share information and it's in alignment with us as women. I mean, we share information by talking and making recommendations and, and creating new opportunities for each other. And that's what I want to talk about today because part of we're, Fearless Warrior Foundation means sitting with discomfort. Anytime you talk about being a warrior, anytime you're making changes, and anytime you're at the cusp of something good happening in your life, there's usually some discomfort. Absolutely. Um, the year 2020 has made everybody uncomfortable. Wow. I mean, we've had a major disruption in how the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, the way we eat. Um, and that, I think, is very evident we're seeing in the way the world is responding to um, all that's going on around us. Well, and I think, you know, with that discomfort comes great growth if we don't stay stuck. And I think many of us in faced with discomfort either try to avoid it we try to anesthetize it, you know, by by binge watching television or mindlessly eating or online shopping, or we just completely avoid it, go in, close the curtains, shut the door and wake up when it's 2021 thinking that that was going to be some magical. Um, I didn't know that, you know, a pandemic had a calendar, but apparently it looks at the date and says, okay, I'm done infecting. So, you know, it's 2021. It was a lot of hopeful thinking with New Year's Eve on 2020, at the end of 2020, a lot of hopeful thinking there. Absolutely. Well, and you know, that gets to me to my kind of key, uh, kind of key point for today's episode is, is thinking, you know, what are we thinking about, you know, when we're posed with change, when we're posed with something that we don't like, how we think about it really determines the next steps. Because if we don't like something, we can avoid it, we can ignore it, or we can look at it as an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for excitement. Totally agree. Um, and that kind of how, how my journey started in 2020, um, I decided to take a yoga class, which, you know, was one of the goals of uh, the beginning of 2020 was to get in shape and yoga was a great opportunity to do that. And um, the first class, um, the yogi, you know, says, okay, we're going to put you into some positions. And uh, we began to do that. And this one particular position, she, uh, you know, really had us kind of bend. And she said, that, uh, you might be uncomfortable. If you're in pain, you should adjust your body to a, com- a discomfort level. And I was kind of triggered by that. I, I was like, 
all right, I, I don't really want to be uncomfortable, but okay. And then she said, life's uncomfortable and you need to settle in with that feeling um, because the more you embrace that and the more you embrace uncomfortableness, the more flexibility and growth you'll have not only in your mindset, but in your body. And that was a real discovery of change of mindset for me for 2020. Um, and obviously we launched into so many other things that happened later in March and throughout the year, but I kind of um, gravitate to that. It's okay to be uncomfortable and it, it will help you grow. Well, and, you know, that's one of the things, uh, um, you know, I'm a parent, a single parent, I have two kids who are 14 and 17 years old, and they are part of that instant gratification uh, generation of, you know, Amazon two day delivery. And then, of course, you know, once I make a big stink about, hey, you know, in the old days, we used to have to wait for the mail to come, <laughs> um, an Amazon Prime location, shipping location opens up literally 18 minutes from my house. So we get the package either sometimes that day or the day after, like we're not even waiting for our Thursday Amazon delivery day. And, you know, I make jokes about these things, but the reality is I think that's why the pandemic hit us with such discomfort because we're used to pizza in 30 minutes. We're used to drive through in five minutes. You know, if you have to wait more than three or four minutes in a drive through you know, I get it if you have screaming kids in the car, because that's just like, you know, we should just unleash them on terrorists. Um, but we don't get what we want immediately. And that creates discomfort when we don't have immediacy. It creates discomfort when they put a pickle on our hamburger and we asked for no pickles. You know, these things are these kind of first world irritations. And no one's saying that we should move off to darkest Peru or deepest Africa and live in a Quonset hut and see what it's like to not have running water. I mean, we're not going there, but we are trying to have some conversation today about just what is discomfort. You know, when you were talking about the yoga thing, yoga didn't work for me. And I wrote a very popular article about 10 years ago about yoga did not help me learn to forgive for my divorce. You know, I went to yoga with the wrong attitude, the wrong thinking. I was out of shape. I was overweight. Everybody there could bend like a pretzel. And there was this guy next to me who was totally skinny and smelled really bad, but he could wrap his ankle around his collarbone. And it was really wow. frustrating because I'm, I'm a little competitive. I don't know if you could pick that up by <laughs> today's conversation, but I was, I couldn't even come close to keeping up with everybody in the class. So I took my mat and I, after falling over and the teacher going, are you new here? No, no, I come here every week to fall over. <laughs> so I took my mat and I just laid down in the back and cried. So yoga didn't help me at that point because I had the wrong mindset. Now, Fast forward 10 years, love me some yoga. I stretch almost every day. I try to stretch in the morning. When I get up, I try to stretch in the morning when I get to bed at night. And when I find tightness or discomfort, I've learned to lean into it Absolutely. versus avoiding it. Because when you avoid it, it just gets worse. And that's really a good analogy for life. 
Absolutely. I totally agree to lean into the discomfort. Um, it's, uh, you know, everybody has their go-to feelings, you know, for discomfort. I mean, we, that's fairly evident. We learned that very early on, whether it's a tantrum in the middle of the, the grocery store with a toddler, whether it's the current being a Karen video that we see virally of somebody freaking out about, you know, yet another inconvenience that they've had. Um, or, you know, speaking to your point earlier, we've been conditioned to have nearly all of our wants and needs, you know, instantaneously. Um, but, you know, when that gets disrupted, um, whether it be COVID or transportation issues or weather, uh, we're having a snowstorm here in the Northeast and people are like, you know, there's a, there's, we can't get anything. Um, you know, the, the uh, purpose of, you know, pain or uncomfortness is to move us forward. Mary, I'm just going to stop you for a second because I want to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor today is Best Fiends. And, you know, when we talk about uncomfortable situations and sitting with discomfort, one of the things that helps me a lot when these things happen is I kind of pull out my phone and I play Best Fiends because Best Fiends is one of these top rated mobile puzzle adventure games. I've been playing it over a year. My kids play it. My family plays it. We can send, you know, little gifts to each other, you know, that don't cost anything. You don't have to go to the post office. And, you know, things have come a long way since we were kids. And I used to read Clifford the Big Red Dog and Madeline and gosh, what else? Uh, Curious George, you know, those were all, you know, classics in my household. And this game is like one of those instant classics. And it does not disappoint. It's got a world full of lovable characters, thousands of levels, and more content that gets added all the time. And I've been playing for over a year. I'm almost at level 400. And it's really fun. It gives me a brain break and it allows me to step outside of being a mom, a single mom, a company owner, a veteran caregiver. You know, all these pressures that I have on myself, I can kind of step away and take a little brain break. And I... I use it a lot when I'm waiting, when I'm waiting in line, waiting for my kids, having to uh, wait, you know, while my dad's meds are getting ready at the pharmacy. So it takes me away. And whenever I beat up on the slug Mageddon's, it actually gives me relief. Like I can feel myself calm down. I can feel myself kind of get in the groove with the music. And so with Best Fiends, there's something new today and tomorrow and every day after that. There's literally thousands of levels to play and tons of cute characters to collect and you're never going to get tired of solving these puzzles because they're challenging but they're not so challenging that you become frustrated and you don't want to play anymore you know the levels are are doable you know it's a manageable game and it doesn't require so much brain effort that you're exhausted after it's one of those ones where it's like wow that was really fun and I love when they cheer for me when they go yeah because, you know, sometimes that's the only cheering I get all day long. Um, so download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You'll be glad you did. We're talking with Mary Monahan today about sitting with discomfort, about being in uncomfortable situations. And boy, you know, we're getting so many of those these days. It's nice to have a little tool like Best Fiends to see you through. Like anything, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move. Um, it just, you know, it just depends on how uncomfortable, you know, we, we get um, and how, you know, we navigate that piece of um, to, 
to bring growth. You know, to your point earlier, yoga didn't work in one moment in your life and now seems to be um, something that you gravitate towards uh, to help you um, move through, uh, you know, uh, you know, medita meditating or, you know, uh, re relaxing. Yeah. Well, I realized that if you ignore tension, it just gets worse. You know, like if you have tension in your back or tension in your hip or your shoulder, your elbow, which I do from sitting a lot, I'm also a certified spin instructor. And until the pandemic, I used to be able to work out five days a week and teach senior fitness, which I really love. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, as we get older, we become less flexible. And in our thinking, we become less flexible. And if something's uncomfortable, we just avoid it. If something's uncomfortable, I don't like that. I'm just going to kind of stick my head in the sand and wait for it to go away. And if you do that physically, you know, you're going to end up sitting in a chair all day, unable to get up. But if you do it mentally, you're going to find yourself under extreme stress because you've lost that flexibility and flexibility is one of the things that creates strength in nature when you look at a tree and the tree gets hit by a storm if it's super rigid it can't flex and bend in the storm it just you know knocks over you know and falls down but if you flex and bend with things as you go if you're a tree you actually make more strength that's one of the parts of nature that creates strong trees is a little bit of of resistance, a little bit of tension, a little bit of discomfort. Nobody's telling you to break your arm or break a tree over, but we have to start moving into the concept that stress is part of life, flexing is part of life, discomfort is part of life. And that's a change in a mindset. And until we change our mindset, Mary, I don't think the other things can follow. Yeah, I also agree. Um, I think, you know, we get uh, to a position where, um, you know, we're, we're, we're nature, we're, na we're a natural being too, like a tree, and mm -hmm. we need to get to a point where we are flexible. Um, we have a lot of guidance in our earlier years, hopefully. And then as we become a young, you know, young adults and into our adulthood, we do, we, we take that navigational beacon ourselves. And, um, you know, there's an uneasiness, especially now in the current state we're in with, with healthcare. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that people probably relate very easily to with discomfort. Um, I know that um, you know, for me, it's going to the dentist. That That isn't like my number one activity to do. <laughs> and I don't have nearly any dental problems. And I'm still a very anxious person when I'm sitting even in the dentist waiting room. Um, and we, you know, as preventative healthcare, which, you know, we, we know is, is, you know, so much um, you know, easier to handle than a, a reactive healthcare, um, which we're obviously in the top of mind right now with reactive healthcare. Um, but, um, you know, dentist visits, you know, make us vulnerable. We freak out about the bill. You know, we, 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 we get very uncomfortable, but we know if we go every year, get our teeth cleaned, um, you know, we'll mitigate a lot of the problems. And, you know, a lot of our mindset needs to be that way too. If we mitigate smaller problems or stresses or anxiety, that won't build 
um, with, uh, you know, over the course of months, years, um, a lifetime, uh, we need to nav navigate those smaller steps, that preventative almost mental health um, to get us to, you know, a better, stronger place, like you were saying, like, you know, to build our roots and, you know, to make a stronger foundation. Yeah, right. Stronger foundation and a stronger trunk, a stronger body. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think with resilience, we don't teach resilience anymore. We teach how to work less and make more. You know, we're, we're taught to not fix things, but you know, if they break, just throw them away and buy a new one, order another one, just just replace it. And I think that works with people in relationships too. You know, we live in a cancel culture. You know, this concept of canceling, you know, I learned this from my kids. I'm like, what do you mean canceled? Like, you can't cancel friendships. You can't cancel. Well, apparently you can. And apparently people do. And, you know, that's another thing of, of that kind of discomfort is having the uncomfortable conversation to say you hurt my feelings or this is not acceptable behavior or I don't like when you do this because it it's awful you know it, it it's 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 not a very nice thing to say now I'm raising teenagers so discomfort is a way of life same here I have um I've uh two two boys and they're in their teen years one's coming into their adulthood and some of their choices make me very uncomfortable um but i uh, there you know i learned to navigate that as you know as a parent um but yeah there is a lot of cancel culture there's mute there's block i mean i don't think i've ever blocked anybody in real life you know you can try to avoid people but they have a lot of options to kind of just er eradicate things without dealing with them. And I feel like those things come back to you um, in other forms. I think when you're younger and you learn to deal with somebody that's, or communicate to somebody that, that you're um, not comfortable with their saying comes back to you, unfortunately, when you get older and you have a job and you have a boss that you need to, you know, manage if you, you know, choose to work for you know, somebody else as opposed to yourself um, or, or employees that you hire that you need to, be more, uh, you know, effective managing. Um, you need to have strong communication skills and not everything can be canceled. <laughs> we right. need to, you know, you need to grow through some of the experiences because not only um, help you, you know, you know, those, those discomfort experiences have lessons within them. And I think that's the difference between canceling everything and finding the lesson that you need to absorb um, when you're in those moments. Um, I think that's a crucial piece. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you cancel someone, it's easy. You literally just disconnect, you pull the plug, you block them on your phone, you block them on social media, you stop inviting them to things. It's pretty easy, you know, but you've never really dealt with the problem in the first place. And eventually, you know, when you talked about like, you can't cancel your boss, you can't cancel your, your employees. And then let's say you can't cancel your family, you can't cancel your kids, you know, you can't cancel your clients, because honestly, you'd have none left. <laughs> because, you know, there's, there's, you know, kind of that, that discomfort in everything. And I know I had a lot of discomfort around money when I first started working on my own, I would send an invoice and somebody wouldn't pay it. And I was just dumbfounded because my bills come in, I pay them. Like, what, why wouldn't you pay this? I did the work and having to call someone and there's a lady that I've been 
chasing for two years, you know, $650 and I could write it off. I could absolutely. And I have write it off with the exception of she is a family friend and she is a friend of my friends and 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 a work friend, you know, all the whole thing. And so I continue to, I just put her on auto bill. You know, I don't deal with her every month, but if she is, you know, every once in a while, she'll send me an email to ask my help on something. And I'll say, I'm, I'd be thrilled to help you. Could you please clear up the $640, you know, you owe from your 2017, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, you know, should I let it go? Probably, but I'm becoming less uncomfortable with asking for what, you know, I did the work, you should pay me, you used the work, the work wasn't bad, it wasn't like you didn't, you know, you you didn't benefit from it, you used the brochure, you sent it out, you got a lot of business, so what's the problem? And any phone call that I make goes unanswered or gets put right to voicemail. So do you... What do you do, Mary, like with this discomfort? Like I'm no longer uncomfortable repeatedly asking to get paid. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, finances are definitely a source of discomfort. A a lot of, you know, relationship books, a lot of, uh, you know, discussions about money um, in general are um, very uncomfortable for people to manage. Um, They're rooted in the way we are raised as families, how our families, you know, received and dealt with money. Um, And I think um, it is, is, is difficult, Um, you know, in a a business perspective, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we need to be respectful of that. If there's, you know, boundaries that you need to keep, um, that's important as well. Um, it, you provided work, and there's work due. Um, American Express isn't 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 as as delighted to hear about your story. Um, <laughs> they 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 have ways of collecting, and um, while we you know sometimes we gray those boundary lines when we deal with relationships that are um, our family or friends. Um, yeah, that it, it does. It, you know, unfortunately for, for that invoice, it might have to go under lesson learned of, you know, uh, you know, it's a $690 lesson of maybe perhaps, you know, uh, that th- this is a, wasn't, this client wasn't for me, um, and, uh, to, to know, to move on from it, but it does, uh, it does, um, I think it triggers people inside when they, they, they are ethical or that is integrity there. And I've done what you've asked and you need to pay. And um, it's, it's hard for us to absorb that we are dealing with somebody who doesn't have that same um, mindset um, as, you know, as you do and your, you know, the electric bill comes in and whatever. Um, But it's, it's a challenge definitely um, with, um, with our family, because I think a lot of where we get uncomfortable uh, with things is is set when we're younger um, what's acceptable in families and what's not behavior that is considered normal in one family when you meet your spouse or your friend or your partner you're like what the heck is going on in this place this is not the way my family was run good bad or indifferent in every situation there so we get exposed very early on to what's you know acceptable behavior for you know our level and we set up boundaries and we, we base our our future relationships on that Right. And, it, and it's very, you know, you talk about the different cultures, you know, my ex-husband's family was someone who 
just said everything. You know, it was right out there on the kitchen table, wouldn't matter who was standing around or listening. And there were some benefits to that. And there was a lot of hurt feelings. And then you have my family, which was the quintessential sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen. Oh, your cousin died of cancer. Well, we'll just set a table setting for her and pretend it didn't happen. You know, kind of, you know, I make jokes about, you know, the extremes of this, but um there are extremes like that and finding the acceptable um, level for your discomfort is I think difficult because you have different personalities too, who have different levels of discomfort. There are people who really can just talk about anything and that's okay. Or there are people who are intensely private and, you know, so discomfort not only can be a situational thing, but it's a personal thing as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's very funny because my husband married 25 years, his family is very private and my family is very open. It seems these families need to migrate to each other. Um, But yeah, it is because I'm very comfortable talking about a number of topics that, you know, other people aren't. Um, Unfortunately for my family, we've experienced experienced a lot of grief early on. So we're very comfortable speaking about the grief process and remembering people, but in other cultures, it's, it's not the same. Um, and that's, you know, somewhat, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a, sometimes a communication mismatch, uh, you know, where people will listen for a little while and they're like, you know, you're just droning on, like you have to let go, let it go. <laughs> Frozen's given us an entire let it go type of uh, <laughs> mentality. Um, you know, sometimes it's very difficult for people to let go and, you know, people work through their feelings through talking and listening and communicating and other people have to, you know, migrate, you know, that experience internally. Um, you know, they have to sort it out within themselves before they're ready to let go of stuff. Um, but yeah, the cultures are definitely even amongst, you know, all the different types of cultures of how we handle communication and feelings and your know, feelings of discomfort. Um, you know, that's very evidence. I think, you know, unfortunately in this time when we see, you know, when we have so much grief, it's just like this constant grief process we're in right now, whether it be loss of job, loss of our normal routine, loss of life, not being able to be with loved ones, like in their final moments, that's the most challenging time because, you know, these things are, you know, I feel like we're, we're grieving this loss of the old life that we had. Um, and it's, things are not going to go back to normal. I'm not really sure what the new norm, I, I'm not a fan of that, that phrase, the new normal, but whatever that is, the new environment that we have to live in, um, people are challenged with, you know, being so uncomfortable that they had to change every aspect of their life. It's, it's, it's created, I think, a generation of, you know, this anxiety level that we've never seen before. Um, I think prior generations where we had, you know, World War One and World War Two and, you know, the Great Depression, I don't think that they spoke on the, on the level that we speak now. It was, if you spoke to my husband's grandfather, um, you know, he didn't speak. He came home from the war. He, the World War Two you know, the beaches of normally said, you know, that's done. I got to go, I got to go find a job now and support my family. Didn't speak about his experience there. And I think we're in such a different time now where we over, you know, we express so much more um, that we're going to find, you know, a lot of different avenues to navigate this new environment. 
Well, yeah, I almost think we overspeak. You know, when I look at, at, you know, my household runs from eight years old to 87 years old. So we have a pretty good gamut. And, um, you know, we have with freedom, like I think of that line with freedom comes great responsibility, <laughs> you know, the Spider-Man. movie line. Yeah. Yep. Spider-Man. <laughs> there is some truth to that. You know, when I look at the, um, you know, kind of like the schisms in social media and people just firing from the hip and saying what they want and not recognizing that beliefs are fluid, beliefs change all the time. People change their mind all the time. You know, what somebody said yesterday may or may not hold water today. You know, one of the things, Mary, that I find kind of interesting is going back, you know, 16 years and listening to some of my first shows. And those shows had a very different me. And every once in a while, somebody will be like, you know what, I listened to your show in 2008. And you said this. And I'm like, well, it sounds like me. So, okay. But do you want to hear what I have to say today? Because when we know better, we do better. We read something, we change. We have those aha moments where all of a sudden, maybe our old paradigm falls apart. And that's, you know, to get back to kind of that flexing you were talking about. I think that many of us got so rigid in our beliefs and rigid in our political groups, in our, you know, family groups, in our, our belief systems, you know, all of these beliefs became not beliefs, but became rigid guard posts that I'm willing to guard, you know, with a rifle. And I will tell you off with the rifle that's my mouth, the minute you say something that I disagree with. And when you look at some of that, it really does take a lot of self-restraint and self-awareness to look at somebody's post in a country where we have freedom of speech, which doesn't mean you can just say whatever you want, whenever you want, you know, we, we really need to get back to understanding what freedom of speech means. But with that discomfort to sit with someone who we love, who has a completely different ideology than us, you know, now we can see why the founding fathers say your vote is private. You know, we're going to keep these things private. You know, growing up, we learned that religion, politics, and sex were off the table at the dinner table. Like, you know, there's some really good reasons why these things should be reserved for certain places and not just a free-for-all everywhere, because when you have a free-for-all, it confronts you to go, I love this person, but I hate their beliefs. Where does that leave me? Yeah, I mean, we see that it's so evident on social media. I mean, there's, I've seen people unfriend and block and cancel friendships over having a different opinion. Um, You know, if you were at a dinner party, many years ago and someone had, you know, you know, a different belief than you, you could just, you know, walk away, you know, kind of just, you know, relax your stance or, you know, get, go get a cup of iced tea um, or another cup of wine if you needed it. Um, And I think um, we were challenged with, we have an, 
you know, this outpouring of communication, you know, which is, there's benefits to that. And, and there's obviously, there's definitely consequences that come with over communicating every waking moment. Um, you know, to your point earlier, like people are tied to, I think their guideposts because we have moved away from our needs and we're we focused all day on our wants. Mm-hmm. I want a new TV. I want a new handbag. I need an, I want a new, it's not, I need a new car. Someone who doesn't have a car who goes, you know, walks 40 miles to work, they need a car. Right. You know, I don't need a, the brand new car every two years. That That's a want. Um, and when we focus on, well, now I want it now. I wanted to, I, in 18 minutes, I'm going to get whatever I want from Amazon. Oh, it took 22. I'm going to write a bad review about that because right. it took 22 minutes, you know, away from my, you know, my very busy life of wanting the next pair of sweatpants that I'm going to sit in my, in front of my computer. Um, and I think this current environment that we're in just has helped us really navigate what back to what our needs are and away from what our wants are. Um, and I think it's important, um, you know, for us to, 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 to respect others opinions um but we don't it's not i'm not on a personal you know venture to change your opinion to mine it isn't it isn't a great big you know tug of war if i have more people on my side of yellow sweatpants are the best sweatpants to wear you know on a zoom call um and it, it could be as, as silly as that or as to whatever political party you align to and we saw a lot of very convicted people um, on both sides about what um, they think, you know, our, our current state of the union needs to be. Um, and we'll see a lot more change. Um, and I, I wrote a piece um, that I submitted to the New Yorker about Bernie's mittens yeah. and how a meme, you know, about, uh, you know, a mittens uh, really was, you know, very um, poignant on how people feel about um, the current state. Um, you know, they can make you feel uncomfortable or comforted. They can make you, you know, they're going to get ripped off in four years. Um, there's a very interesting, you know, um, perspective, um, what we focused on, on what should, you know, is and still is a very historic day for women um, to have um, the first um, woman vice president is historic. And I feel like uh, we got, um, we, did, we, we detached from, from, from what was going on there and hooked on to, you know, the comical review of, of uh, you know, a uh, older person who wanted to be very comforted in a moment <laughs> of unclement weather. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I thought, you know, some of those memes that I, you know, and I, I loved watching the memes, but uh, to me, it sent a, a different, like I had a different take on the mittens. The mittens to me represented the simplicity of keeping your hands warm versus the frippery of what is, you know, what suit is Biden wearing? What's Jill wearing? What's Kamala wearing? You know, um, or Kamala, I always pronounce it wrong. But <laughs> but the point being is like, really, are we here for a fashion show? Or are we here to make our nation, you know, fabulous for all people and, you know, be the best we can be? And when I looked at this, the simplicity of his knitted mittens, and, you know, anybody from the East Coast recognized him immediately. <laughs> We all had those growing up, you know, they would get wet and be like, like soggy animals hanging off the end of your hand. And sometimes they would itch and, you know, they were so uncomfortable, you know, they weren't like the nice fleece lines one I have today. And the simple mittens to me represented hopefully a vision, a hopefulness of the country in embracing these memes to step back to a simpler time. 
where it was more important to keep your hands warm than how you looked. You know, it was more important to focus on the end result, which is keeping the hands warm, rather than who is keeping the hands warm. It's more important what we do, not who we are. And I think, you know, it was the ego represented or the humbleness of a simple pair of mittens. That's what the message of the mittens gave to me. Yeah, it was, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, it's um, a lot of what we do, we, we sometimes forget what our purpose is. Um, and there is a purpose to things that we, we enjoy that we need. Um, and there is purpose to mitten, mittens and, and our government, um, you know, to, um, to find that purpose sometimes gets clouded with all the other things that go around around us, like JLo and Lady Gaga singing and all the other yeah the the images that go around and we we um we sometimes lose that we lose that voice you know sometimes it's early on people find their purpose and they pursue that um you know for me um what came out of a tragedy helped me find a purpose with the fearless warrior foundation um you know and i'm in the latter part of my life um it's people our purpose um is is very um is sometimes lost in translation a lot of times with the, the noise that goes on all around us and um, listening to others and not listening to yourself inside of really, you know, where your comfort levels lie um, and, and how you're really listening to the messages around you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's one of the, the, one of the big lessons that the pandemic has taught us is you know, what's really important, you know, what do you want versus what do you need? You know, if you have a warm bed and you have food and you have, you know, clean water and you have fresh air, you know, the things that you need to live versus what you want. I think you made a very compelling, um, a very compelling statement about that, but it also revitalized us in a era of take a pill and you'll be better and you don't have to do anything because you just take a pill and this pill will fix this and this pill will fix that and we don't have to attend to our mental health because we have a pill and you know The disparity in healthcare, you know, is a big issue in our country and COVID certainly knew no restrictions. You know, we have everything from the most prominent celebrities getting sick and some dying to, you know, somebody who, you know, will be just a number on an autopsy table. So, you know, it was very interesting to go, we don't, as a society, deal with our dead. You know, if you've been to funerals lately, you know, obviously nobody has in the pandemic, but prior to that, you know, the era of a funeral or a celebration of life, you know, people are uncomfortable with that. They don't want to go to that. You know, that gets too close to home. And, you know, I saw firsthand when my mother died, that was a natural order of things. She was sick with cancer for a long time. She was older. She died. Okay. Well, at the same time, one of my very closest friends lost her three-year-old son to brain cancer. So that was a whole different animal though, Mary, because that struck chords in people. They didn't like that. Moms didn't like the uncomfortable idea of a child dying. We didn't deal with children dying in this country. We have a very low mortality rate. So, you know, these things are far and few between for most communities. 
And is it a tragedy? Sure, absolutely, it's a tragedy. Do we have the tools to deal with grief? Absolutely not. Do we tell people who are grieving to get over it quickly? Oh, she's had a couple, you know, it's been a couple months since her husband died. Oh, it's been six months since her child died. You know, all of these things, especially as we move away from a lot of the teachings of whatever belief system you have, I'm not going to identify one being better over the other. But one of the things that organized religions did, I thought fairly well, was how to deal with dead. You know, there's a funeral, there's a mass, there's a service, there's a putting stones on there, there's marking the death, you know, you can go through all the different um, kind of rituals and protocols, you know, washing the body, you know, wrapping the body, whatever it is, all of those things help us deal with grief. And we don't have that in our society here anymore. We also don't have the grief around losing a home. We have people who go through foreclosures. We have people who, and what is it? Oh, well, here's a company that can help you get back as soon as you can. Let's just get back. Let's get back to as soon as you can. Let's get back. Bounce back after death. Bounce back after loss. Bounce back after. And when you have your Amazon package that's late, that's on the same grief par as absolutely lost a child because here you go just take a pill yeah there is um so much to be said about you know the grief um process um you know and especially with young ones uh, you know uh that it's before their time um or what we deemed their time um my family lost my brother um a few years ago to colon cancer which is not a disease that is meant for a 40 year old to you know to absorb and much less my family to lose him um unexpectedly um because uh the trajectory of normally of cancer is you know, like a slowdown and, you know, a, a slower, uh, you know, um, exit. And uh, right. he unfortunately got taken from us, you know, with a brain aneurysm in the middle of treatment. Um, so we were kind of, you know, our whole world was flipped upside down again. Um, so, um, and, but that, you know, transformation and being in a family um, that already had lost my dad years, you know, 25 years before that, um, you know, I have, you know, my family members are like, oh, well, he's been gone three years. She should be done with that. Uh, done, done with that. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. And that's, what, you know, I'm glad you're in a good position. Um, and that, that was really how our foundation got started um, was I channeled that grief energy into something where I could give legacy to the traits that he, I think that he exhibited here um, and our continuation of, isn't, you know, the legacy of being kind and have integrity and to find people um, in the world um, that are like that. Um, and that was the way we managed, you know, our grief process as a family, because we, um, you know, we were, we, we were, in a, we were in a really difficult spot. Sure. Um, when you have um, uh, any, and all the rest of the grief, my loss of jobs and loss of boyfriends and whatever it, you know, came, come along, the loss of my Amazon package that didn't make it here because <laughs> the postman lost it. You know, everything comes out, um, you know, when you have another loss and if you, unless you're, you know, prepared for that uncomfortableness and to your point earlier, you know, we, we have rituals and then those things, ha- you know, happen for a reason to bring everybody right. as a community 
but then six months later, you know, we have a widow who's sitting there going, what the heck happened? No one's calling, no one's writing, no one's bringing Right, after the busyness of death. That's what I call it. There's the busyness of death that happens, you know, the months after, but then, then there's the quiet and the quiet is the, the hard part. And, you know, when people say those obnoxious things like, oh, well, your dad's been dead 10 years that, you know, you should, you should be over it by now. Well, that's their discomfort, you know, because like my friend Janet and I, we should do a show on the stupid things people say when people die. <laughs> oh. You know, <laughs> Janet had a whopper one, you know, we were sitting there and I couldn't believe this came out of one of our friends mouths. But she's like, Oh, my God, I'm so glad it's not my child. <laughs> and we're just Oh, my God, they're going, wow, like, okay and Janet Janet looked at me and she goes well I guess I'm glad it was mine like you know what do you say to things but this is where this is what happens when we don't when we don't talk about things when we keep everything secret when we we put death aside when we put loss aside and we start putting timelines on things you know like when I think of my my the Jewish side of my family and they have a stone you put on the grave to mark the year you know that's a whole year of grieving you know what did I get with my mom I got maybe a week like oh yeah you got to get back to work you got to get back doing these things and yes It's true, I have to get back to these things. But, you know, you said something very interesting, Mary, about about subsequent griefs. And Judy Brizantine, we did a show on on grief, and Judy Brizantine had a great term for it called sandwich grief. You've got this grief sandwich. You've got like the big beef patty, which is your brother dying or my mother dying or Janet's son dying. And then you have all the little add-ons. And each one of those kind of pricks at your heart. And, you know, it's not only uncomfortable, but it's downright painful. And so, you know, I know we're about to wrap up today's show, but I would really love to have a show with you about grief and talk about these things, because I think grief is going to be a big part of our fabric for the coming years. I totally agree. And I would love to be back with you. This has been really a wonderful conversation. Um, we've touched on so many amazing topics. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think there's no trade-off. I mean, transformation comes because we're, you know, in an uncomfortable phase and eventually it will launch you to your, where you're supposed to be next. Um, I think deep inside of you, there's a strength that gets revealed from these moments of discomfort and nothing's permanent, you know? And I think um, everything changes. So um, I so appreciate my time with you, Sandra. You've been amazing. I'm very grateful for our conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys want to learn more about Fearless Warrior Foundation, go to fearlesswarriorfoundation.com. And we can, uh, you can make a donation, you can look at their causes, you can be, you know, participating in their 2021 scholarship, lots of good things to do there. Check out fearlesswarriorfoundation.com. You'll be glad you did. We'll be back again next week. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.